Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in-depth discussions with world-leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejas Mehta. Is there like a model to kind of measure the ROI on influencer marketing? Because for B2C, it's very clear. If there's sale, you know, that influencer is working, etc. For B2B, it can be quite tricky, right? For B2B, the sales cycles are longer. It's more of branding effort. So how do brands measure the ROI on influencer marketing for B2B? I think um, for B, it's much harder for B2B. And I think that you can, very similar to, me- well, I mean, I would say that it's hard to measure ROI for all B2B marketing. Right. You know, you can you can engage in a in a lead gen program and collect leads and, and you know, deliver those leads to sales and, and sales can can close it. And hopefully you can reconcile that work to, to prove value. It's the same with influencer marketing on the B2B side. So tracking the clicks and there's a lot of techniques. And I'll just give an example. If I'm consulting with a client and they want to do influencer marketing, usually what I'll say is is well let's let's figure out a piece of content that we can collaborate with an influencer on and that content could be a white paper it could be a report and we can gate that content and basically collect email addresses we can also give the 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 influencer assets to share on his or her channels and track that so you know so when 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 their audiences want to download it we can collect email addresses so you know that that is to the extent as to kind of measuring the impact, you know, it depends on the back end whether or not you're reconciling a lead to a sale. And again, to your point, it takes it could take 18 months before a sale is ever realized once an email address is collected. So I think that the bare minimum is tracking clicks, tracking conversions. You know, engagement rates are okay to track. I mean, it's it's a, a vanity metric. You know, it's not really showing any type of business impact. Um, but that's a start. So you start there and you you kind of work your way down the funnel to collecting leads and, and, and at some point being able to determine whether or not that those leads become sales. Interesting. So like everything in B2B, in B2B marketing, influencer marketing is a difficult not to crack in terms of measurement, but it looks like a lot of brands are more and more investing in that program particularly. And that's exciting. Talk to me about using community as, as a medium for influencer marketing. You have thoughts on that as well. More than eager to hear that. Yeah. When I think about influencer marketing, you know, there there's a group of there are people who look at influencer marketing at the channel level, right? So they they may say, I want to find the top influencers on TikTok. I want to find the top influencers on Instagram. And I think in some instances that's okay. I like to look at influence more topically based. So I want to find the top fashion influencers, the top travel influencers, the top, you know, AI influencers. And then, you know, if those influencers are active on LinkedIn and Twitter and blogs, well, our activation will be in those channels. If other influencers are active on TikTok and and Instagram, well, then that activation will happen there. So I think when I think about topically based influence, that can mean everything from the topics I just mentioned to larger vertical topics like healthcare or supply chain or consumer electronics, you know? And so, and all of those topics, whether they're, they're micro communities or larger communities, that's what they are, they're communities. 
And those communities are exist in these different platforms in different ways. So influencer marketing, in a sense, is community marketing in a way, if you think about it. But I think the hard part is finding those influencers who really believe in community because some influencers are all about themselves and making money and clicks. They may not, they put their interests in front of the larger community's interests. So I think finding those influencers that, that do the opposite and, you know, are putting the interests of the community first before theirs, that is a win-win because once you're in with them, they are already an active participant, if not a leader in the community, whether that community exists on Reddit, LinkedIn, it doesn't matter. They have built a community or participate in a community and they are influential within that community as well. Interesting. And a lot of influencers tend to kind of uh, seem to connect with their communities much more authentically, it seems, as compared to the Kardashians of the world. So for B2B, I think that could become more effective. Good to know. You published uh, on a slightly different topic, right? You published a book in 2018 called Participation Marketing. What is that about? And what's your thoughts on employee advocacy? Yeah, I mean, this was a, a topic that I was very, very passionate about early on and even participated in certain programs as, you know, an employee. I used to work for Intel and, and we had an employee advocacy program and I was part of it. I was really proud to work there. And, you know, I think employee advocacy is going to go through some shifts because the society is shifting. Well, let me first say that that participation marketing was was just that. It was meant to enable employees to participate in industry conversations and become brand storytellers and doing that through social media, through writing long form content. And that was written in 2018, but you know, that was like based on years of experience in participating in, in these programs and also launching employee advocacy programs for a lot of companies. I think it's interesting now today with the shift of this generation and the idea of uh, quiet quitting and the clear delineation of here's who I am at work and here's who I am out of work. And if I'm not, if I don't feel like I get paid like I should, or I'm not, I don't like my manager, it's really going to be difficult to create advocacy programs when, when there's a group of employees who feel that way. Not every employee does, but I think that is a trend that I think that brands are going to have to start figuring out because, you know, if you don't have the culture to, if you don't have a strong culture, then it doesn't make sense to have employee advocacy as a strategic marketing initiative. If you do have a strong culture, then it's it's a no-brainer because employees are going to want to say, you know what, I love working for this company and I want to talk about it publicly. You know, let's create a program. So I think that brands need to be careful and do a self-assessment first on the culture. And then once that is identified, once you realize that it's an opportunity, then then you go through the steps of investing in the right technology, creating a program and strategy around it, and all of that. Yeah. The shift on the employer employee relationship, that's been drastic in the last two, three years, the change. Quite good quitting people, you know, quitting jobs and kind of starting as creators. The whole market has been like very disruptive. So yeah. So kind of get a self-check first before creating the market influencer marketing the employer advocacy program that sounds like a great idea going back to social media right what kind of content is working these days since you are in analytics you analyzed tons of data what do you think works the best 
Well, I think from a, you know, from a, I'll use a term that I don't really talk about much anymore, but user generated content is always performs well because it's, it's authentic and it's real and it's just people. And so brands, you know, leveraging their audiences to repurpose that content. Influencer content also performs well too. And so, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies are hiring influencers as content creators. So they're licensing the content or they're purchasing content for influencers because they're, they understand how to create good TikTok content or Instagram content. So that is also a trend, not, not necessarily on the B2B side. B2B side is a little bit different. Um, I think that creative, the idea of coupling creative and copy is always a best practice and thinking about the, the storytelling and the lead up and the payoff of, of how you are telling a story within a feed, like on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, you only have an image and, or an asset video image and an animated GIF. And then some language, I mean, that is your story. So how do you, you know, what's the hook to get someone to stop scrolling? And then what's the payoff for them to really understand your message and then like it, comment on it, click through to it. So creative is, is important, but then also the language you use, the hashtags you're using. I'm baffled at all these companies that are promoting content within LinkedIn and they want you to link, you know, they're trying to sell you a product or subscribe to an event or white paper, yet in the post copy, they put hashtags. I don't understand why they do that. Does it make sense to me? You know, you want to make it as easy as possible for the user to like click through and not click a hashtag. So I think that there's still a lot of learning in the space, but the creative piece of, of social media marketing, you're always going to need to think about, you know, hiring a strong creative person that understands how to tell stories in three seconds or less, right? Through a visual asset combined with post copy. Right. And like in the world of TikTok, right, where everybody's attention span is like shrinking, by the way, and, you know, more and more entertainment is winning over content. Is there a way for B2B brands to kind of participate in this TikTok wave, create more entertaining content and kind of post it on LinkedIn? Is that happening? Is that what you see? Yeah, it's happening. It is. And it's, well, I haven't seen a lot of brands do it, but I have seen the audiences there. For example, I, I went to TikTok and I did a search for DevOps, which is a, is a, is a B2B term for that developers are using to, to manage the operations of the development software lifecycle. You know, so if you work in B2B or tech, you, you know what DevOps is, but there's a huge community of people on social media that talk about it. And also, I mean, if you look it up on YouTube, that just look up the hashtag or on Instagram and uh, TikTok. I mean, there's a lot of users who are writing about and, and providing, creating content rather about DevOps. So the audience is there. It's just a matter of brands trying to figure out like, what's the best way for us to create content and engage with this community that doesn't feel so corporate or in your face marketing. And that's the hard part because they can't, it's not like they're going to publish a white paper right? They need to show a different level of, of a tone of voice in these channels. And I, I don't know if all B2B brands are yet comfortable with that. Right. And that's where I think the creative aspect comes in, right? Getting like the right creative, or maybe as you mentioned, collaborating with an influencer or a creator and kind of having them create this content for you. So that might be like a great opportunity. Wonderful. What do you think is the future of social media? What is metaverse and what does that do to social media? 
I think the metaverse is, you know, it's an interesting opportunity for brands to, to really think out of the box with how they are building community and, and selling products and engaging with consumers and writing press releases. I mean, whatever you do today, you can do differently within the metaverse. And I think the metaverse in general is still de- being defined, right? There's the metaverse and then there's these small metaverses, right? That the different companies are, and are creating. And uh, so I think that social media is going to change, you know, uh, from, a, from a brand standpoint, how you structure your marketing teams is going to change. The skill set needed to hire for, for marketing is, will change. But I don't think it's going to happen overnight. It, it's still changing. And I think that, you know, social media is, you know, going to become, it's always been visual. It's going to become even more visual um, as it relates to, you know, AR and VR and the way that people are, the way that there's the exchange of products and services and goods through NFTs and cryptocurrency and things like that. All that is, is changing daily almost. But I think the core, uh, the core kind of idea around social media and it being a community of people isn't going to change. It's, it's just going to be the, the community on the metaverse is just going to be different, right? There's still going to be shared interests and shared values and shared ideas, but the way those are being articulated and communicated and, and visualized are just going to be different. It's going to be in, in, you know, I'm going to wear my headset and I'm going to be seeing people's avatars and things like that. So community is not going to change. And it's just the, the medium is going to change. And, and the, the advertising, right? There's a new opportunity even for, for new advertising within the metaverse, right? You know, maybe you sponsor a lounge or you are creating, you know, a world around a topic. I don't know. You have ads everywhere or people. I don't know. There's a lot of different things to do with the metaverse. And I'm excited about it. And yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see where the technology goes. Right. And how is the analytics going to change? In metaverse, that's going to be a different ballgame altogether. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I honestly don't really know. There's some worlds that you can participate in. Do have some metrics around activity? You know, how active are people in the world? What are the, what actions are they taking? So that'll happen. I think once it right now, the people participating in the metaverse, it's the one percent. It's the early adopters. It's the tech enthusiasts. Your everyday consumer isn't there yet. Once they get there and as they get there, I think that there'll be analytics platforms and technology innovation that will allow you to kind of think through new, uh, you know, KPIs and, and metrics to pull that can show some level of value with brands and their participation in it. But I don't really know if I can answer that question. You know, there's, I think it's still unknown and I'm excited to kind of like learn. And as we kind of progress as a society, um, there's going to be a ton of new innovation that we can continue to learn from. Right. What are your thoughts on NFTs? Is it a real utility for NFTs or is it just like a fad? <laughs> I think that the idea of selling digital art is, a fa- is, a fa- is the beginning, is the first step into this new commerce. I think the NFT transaction and the technology behind the transaction is the future of commerce online. So the, whether it's digital art or real products is a, is the transaction is is going to be the facilitator of that. So NFTs, it's I don't know if it's a fad or not, but it's it's just the entry level steps into this new di- this idea of it, of purchasing goods and services and the exchange of money, if you will, 
in different forms on these different platforms. So that is going to really innovate the way that concerts happen and tickets are sold and venues are attended. But it's not, I mean, digital art, it's, it's just a thing. You know, I think there are some brands that are doing some cool stuff around it, but that's just the first step. There's going to be so much more in the future. Right. That'll be exciting too. Wait and watch. Good to know. Michael, you also consult a lot of companies in their digital marketing efforts. You kind of help them get their marketing efforts together and create impactful stories. What are some of the best ideas that you have had and you kind of, you know, had them implemented? Like top three ideas that you think should people should copy? Well, I don't know if I have three ideas. I'll give you one idea. I think it was it was interesting. This couple of years, I was about a year ago, you know, right when the actually when the, the pandemic first started, one of our clients, um, they have a, a customer event. And, you know, they wanted some ideas on different ways to engage with the attendees. And the customer event was going to happen in this, this really traditional environment where you kind of log in and you can attend a session and you can chat. It was closed off. Like you had to like be a part of the event to participate. And, you know, we had suggested them to launch a Twitch account and a Twitch, basically a Twitch pro launch a Twitch profile and stream some of their events um, publicly on Twitch and have like what we call an after party um, on Twitch. So after a particular keynote event would happen, we would, you know, everybody would go to Twitch and, and talk about it because you really couldn't do that in the existing platform. And, you know, at the time, I mean, this was just two and a half, three years ago. I mean, Twitch was looked at as, and I think it's overcome this early perception it was looked at early on though, years ago, that it was just a, a place for gamers, for us to watch people play games. But, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of production value on Twitch, DJ, you name it, they're there. They were very successful t- at using this new platform to engage with this user base and they're still there. It's thriving, it's alive and well. So I think that the key takeaway is like, it's a, we had permission by the client to try something new. And if we fail, no big deal. We will learn from it. So it's hard to find clients that are like that. And if you do, and they're willing to give you the license to fail, you know, then having these like unexpected activations, like, like, you know, a Twitch stream for a very deep tech company was amazing. And we were, and, and it was, and it works and it's still very effective. So that's, I think the one, one example that I think is that I can, I can talk about without wasting five minutes trying to look at some old emails. <laughs> yeah, no, this is exciting, right? Who would have thought, you know, doing an event on Twitch would turn out to be successful. So that's wonderful. Who are some of the uh, brands or influences for marketing or social media marketing that you follow? Who are some of the people that I should be following as well? I can say that on the tech side, you know, there's um, Sarbjeet Johal, who is, he's based here in Silicon Valley. And he, I mean, he's a, an engineer by trade. Like he was an engineer he led development teams and he is now kind of this, he's like an analyst in a way. And he's really built, he's become very influential. And, and because he's an engineer, he understands the technology that's driving Silicon Valley innovation, you know, AI, machine learning, NLP. And, and so he's somebody that, that I, I like to follow because he's, you know, he doesn't consider himself an influencer, right? He, he's more of a thought leader and he's very influential. Those are the type of people that I like to follow because they're producing thought-provoking content. And, you know, they're just not a great photographer taking a picture of uh, themselves, you know, as an example. That is one person that I think is is good. And then I think there are other, uh, you know, let me just think, 
I, I wish I would have wrote those down. I, he, he's someone, if I had to pick one person and you work in B2B tech, follow him. He's very insightful, very nice guy. And he's, you know, he produces really, really good and thoughtful, thoughtful and insightful content. Wonderful. Where can people find you online? Yeah. Well, my Twitter ha- handle is Britopian. It's B-R-I-T-O-P-I-A-N. I also have my website, Britopian.com. I do a lot of writing there. I do a lot of analysis on there as well. Twitter, LinkedIn are the two channels that I typically use the most. And uh, and yeah, I'd like to connect and, and talk with others and uh, debate. I get criticized and I criticize people or not people, but content ideas. Cause I like to, I like to be, provo- I like the, that provoked content and conversation. So if you don't agree with what I say, I'm glad. Let's talk about it. You know, let's talk about why. And, and, and I've been proven wrong before and I'm, you know, and I like to be proven wrong. So yeah, that's where you can find me. And, uh, and thank you so much for this time. And it really was a pleasure in talking with you. Absolutely. I have tons of questions again, but we'll, we'll have to kind of call you in a second episode and kind of do that. This has been really exciting. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot, Thanks for listening.